What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. If you're listening to this episode when it's just released, that's in May 2018. And right now, there is a lot of talk online about privacy regulations and how our businesses can be compliant. So you might have heard something called GDPR, but even if you hadn't, you're going to learn about it today. GDPR is a new privacy regulation that's been put in place in May 2018 by the European Union. And so some people are thinking, well, if I'm not in the EU, does this still apply to me? Yes, Americans, it still applies to you if anybody on your email list might happen to live in the European Union. And given the fact that online businesses are global, there's a really good chance that you could have somebody living in Europe or the UK on your list. So I've noticed there's a lot of speculation, a lot of almost panic and freaking out happening online about this. So I really wanted to address it right away as we start off this season of the podcast. So I've got Lisa Fraley back on the show with us. She's been here before and we're, Lisa's an attorney and also a health coach. And we're going to talk about what the GDPR is, also a bit about HIPAA compliance that's important within the U.S., and the steps you need to take to make sure that your wellness business, especially your online portions, are compliant with these new requirements. So maybe not the topic that you're like super excited to hear about, but what I love about Lisa is she explains everything in really like easy to understand, down to earth terms that really simplify what can be a big headache thinking about the legal sides of our business. So I really encourage you to give a listen to this episode. And if you'd like to learn more about GDPR in detail and exactly what you need to do, Lisa has created a webinar and you can listen to the replay of that webinar. I'm an affiliate for Lisa. So if you want to watch that webinar, you can use my affiliate link, which is wellpreneuronline.com slash GDPR. Really easy. wellpreneuronline.com slash GDPR. So obviously we're talking about this topic in today's episode, but she goes even more deep into it in her webinar. So you can check that out if you'd like to learn more. But I think this interview will give you a really good overview so you can really understand, like wade through all the confusion online and see what you need to do for your wellness business. As always, we'll put all the episodes in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And we've got our Facebook group, the Wellpreneur Community on Facebook. That's still going strong, and there's over 3,000 of us in there talking about growing our businesses and answering questions. Um, So after you have a listen to this episode, if you have any other questions or want to chat about what you're doing to get compliant, come over into the Facebook group and let's talk about it. Okay, ready to learn about GDPR? Here we go. Hi. 
Hi, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Amanda, thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here and to connect with you and your audience. It's great. I'm really glad you could come back on because we've got a super hot topic issue going on right now, GDPR, that we'll talk about at length. And as this issue was coming up, you are the first person I thought of. I was like, we've got to get Lisa back on the show because (laughs) someone needs to make this simple and easy to understand, especially for people in the EU, but people out of the EU too. So thank you for thinking of me. That really is what I try to do, as you know, is to make the law easy to understand in plain English and then try to infuse it with a little love and spirituality so it's not so scary or overwhelming. And just so people can figure out what they need, like get the bottom line, but with kindness and love. So that's what we're here Mm -hmm. to do. I just want to get right into it because this is is a bit of a gnarly subject. Like I was trying to educate myself on GDPR and honestly, like my instinct was totally like ostrich. Like I just wanted to put my head in the sand and make it go away. Give us a level set. Like what is GDPR? It is a little gnarly. And unfortunately, the G doesn't stand for gnarly. But it stands for, I see why people want to put their head in the sand too. But we're going to make it really easy and help you understand just the high level points of things that you want to do to be sure that you're in compliance. So GDPR stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. And it's a a regulation, which is kind of like a law that was passed by the European Union, went into effect on May 25th. So it's brand new. And who it impacts is obviously people who are living or working in the EU. But it also impacts other business owners, no matter where you're located. If you have even one client in the EU or one person on your list in the EU, or if any of your clients from America or wherever go to the EU, like Amanda's often traveling around the world. So when she's in the EU, the Mm -hmm. EU laws apply to the business owner here in the United States. So it really does pretty much cover everyone. If you have anyone on your list or anyone you deal with who goes to or is in the EU. That part, I think, is just kind of crazy because I think at first the reaction was, oh, well, you know, I'm a U.S. business, so I don't need to pay attention to this, for example. But like running an online business, you don't know where your subscribers are. They could be anyone, anywhere in the world could sign up. So it definitely applies to everyone, like you said. Well, and the thing is that the EU determines where the person is by the IP address. And sometimes the location is not specified when IP addresses are registering or the location's listed incorrectly. So you really don't know where people are, like we said, when you run an online business. So, okay, so we've got this regulation. And what's the gist of it? Like, Mm -hmm. actually, it's a good purpose, right? There's a good reason to have this law. That's right. It's designed to actually create enhanced privacy protection for the use of people's personal data. And what's personal data? Well, they describe it as any type of information that can personally identify someone. So we're all familiar with things like your name or your email address or billing information or credit card information, but it goes beyond that to other things too, like health information, IP addresses we talked about. It can even be Facebook or social media, logins. It's really covering anything or anywhere that you collect information that can personally identify someone by their name or who they are. In other words, it's not anonymous data. And so just thinking about the people listening, like something obvious that I bet almost everybody out there has is an email list where you're collecting people's names and emails, right? And maybe they're also collecting addresses or anything they need to work with their clients. I guess that counts as personal information also. Yes. And so I'm glad we're going to talk about a couple of the things that people want to make sure that they're doing to be in compliance with that law. And then when you have clients, it kind of works a little bit differently. So let's talk about that email list, right? 
there's two things you need to think about with your email list. You have current subscribers and you have new subscribers. You want to approach them both, but slightly differently. So the current subscribers to your list, if there's anyone in the EU or in general, it's good to kind of approach everyone by doing a re-engagement campaign and asking if they want to remain on your list. So after May 25th, you want to make sure they're overtly and expressly consenting to be on your list. So they need to click a button or somehow check a box and say, yes, I want to remain on your list and receive emails from you. For new subscribers, when you have freebies that you're giving away or information on your website that you're giving away, you want to make sure that they are consenting to receive e-newsletters from you if they're getting a freebie. So long gone are the days where someone can sign up to get your free gift and then you just move them over onto your main email list. You know, that's how... So many of us teach online marketing is right. give away a freebie to build your list. And so just for right. everybody out there, that is changing now that at least for consumers, in the, if the person's signing up from the EU, just because they get a freebie doesn't mean you can contact them afterwards. I don't know. Can you contact them once just to follow up on the freebie, but you can't put them on the newsletter or like? I do. Yeah. And I love how you frame that. With the freebie, there's a couple of different things to keep in mind. So the whole idea behind the GDPR is that you have to be able to prove that you got consent to contact someone with their permission. And you have to be specific in your privacy policy, which you need to update, which we'll talk about that in a minute, to make sure that you're being very clear about how you'll use their data, what you're using it for, the purpose that you're contacting them, etc. So when it comes to the freebie, If you say, and I love to use this example, hey, download my 10 top smoothies, enter your name and email, sign up here, click the button. You can contact them with information that's related to the smoothies or even perhaps healthy eating. But what happens is that so many of us who have newsletters lists, one week you might be writing about healthy eating. The next week you're talking about mindset. The next week you're talking about maybe a business resource that you found that can help. Or maybe you're talking about the fact that you love this new pair of shoes that you got or whatever, right? It's not all necessarily directly related to smoothies or healthy eating, especially when we're holistic wellpreneurs, holistic mm-hmm. business owners who approach everything with our whole lives, right? So what that means, what we recommend, what I recommend, the simplest and easiest and most direct way to do it is to say, hey, sign up to receive regular updates from me or sign up to receive regular tips from me and receive the top 10 smoothie guide, right? So they're consenting to receive information from you on a regular basis that's broad enough to encompass the shoes and the mindset and everything else besides the smoothies. But you can incentivize them by giving them that smoothie guide to do that. So it's very clear they're signing up for your list and getting the the smoothie guide as a benefit. Mm, Got it. So I think the first takeaway action for people is that we've got to update our forms on our websites. That's right. There's other ways to do it as well. The reason why I like that, and you can find a nice way to say sign up for my list. The reason you do that is so that you're being very direct about it and people are actually consenting so that you can prove they consented to be on your list. Another option, if you prefer, is you can still say sign up for my smoothie guide Nay, enter your name, enter your email, click the sign up button. And then underneath that, you can have a little checkbox that has to be unchecked. The default has to be unchecked that says, I would like to receive your weekly fabulous updates, newsletter updates by email or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then they check the box. But obviously, we know that some people want to just get the smoothie guide and not check the box. So mm-hmm. that's why we've been encouraging people to do, do it all in sort of one foul swoop. 
The only other thing to say about that really briefly, Amanda, is that if someone wants the smoothie guide and they don't want to be on your list, you still have to give them the smoothie guide and you Mm -hmm. have to make sure that you're not just adding them to your list. So it does take some effort and just some awareness on the back end of your back end e-newsletter provider to make sure you're segmenting your list or using tags to help people. Those are the two sort of most common ways to do the opt-in boxes. You can also do a double opt-in squeeze page where you're having people click yes or no to join your list on that double opt-in squeeze page. You can do it that way as well. So there's several ways to get people's consent to join your list or to be part of your community. There's not just one way to do it. So I've heard some people saying like, you have to have a double opt-in now, but it sounds like you don't have to. It's just that might be a more, that's just one way to do it. Obviously, we usually recommend that people have a double opt-in just because you can ensure that the person is consenting to be on your list. But I believe I've heard in Canada, you have to have a double Mm -hmm. opt-in. Some people say, no, they just have to unsubscribe, but I'm not a Canadian attorney. But at the same time, having a double opt-in can only protect you. It can't hurt you. Oh, I should probably say for people that don't know what a double opt-in is. A double opt-in basically means it's like when you sign up for somebody's newsletter or something on their site, and then it says, okay, now go check your email. And you have to go click a link in an email to actually get added to the list. So it's like confirming them twice. Yeah. So in the example of the smoothies, you can say, hey, download my top 10 smoothies, enter your name, email, sign up here which takes them to that second confirmation page, which often says things like, almost there, you're almost ready to get your smoothie guide. And then you say, by the way, you want to receive weekly updates and tips from me. I'll be sharing information like XYZ. And you can have a box for them to click yes and a box for them to click no. But no matter what they click, yes or no, you still have to send them the smoothie guide. And you can usually just do that through an autoresponder through Mm. each of those check boxes, basically. One thing we didn't mention at the beginning that I think might be just worth saying, but I think there's a lot of panic and fear going on around this. I'm going to just call it, I use the word panic intentionally because people are just going totally insane on Facebook about GDPR. I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts about that. Like, I think there's some quite, maybe you know what they are. There's some like quite scary numbers being thrown around about if you're in violation of this, like you're going to get fined some massive amount. That Yeah, I know. People always say, well, first of all, how are they going to know that I'm violating it? And second of all, what is the penalty if I do violate it? So let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. The EU is not sitting around like Big Brother, as far as we know, watching over all of us small business owners, right? But what the fear of what can happen, just like when you have a client who maybe is asking you for a refund or a client who is upset and wants to get out of your program or just people who are upset, they're the ones who very well may report you to the EU for violating the policy. So we're not worried so much about like the EU IOC looking over you. We're worried about people who may feel that you were misrepresenting the contact that you were going to have with them, and then they get upset and they can go through the reporting process. So the penalties that can happen is based on a percentage of your revenue, and it can depend on the violation. I mean, it depends on how big your business is. But I think most of us don't want to be in violation of the law. Mm -hmm. And most people want to energetically be aligned and to be clear. And actually, the intent of this whole law is to help bring marketing tactics to the forefront. Just like in the U.S., the FTC requires if you're an affiliate to disclose that you are an affiliate at the time that you're sharing that you're an affiliate for something. It just creates truth in advertising. This is kind of the same thing. And after everything happened with Facebook, right, and the use of our data, people were so upset that Facebook was selling our data and using our data in ways that we didn't know. This is a very similar rationale for why they have this GDPR rule. It didn't have anything to do with the Facebook sort of scandal. 
But it's the same concept. I think the world is getting more aware of our data online and creating protections around it. At the end of the day, it is the intention behind the law is a good one. And I think that's why it's nice that if you're going to put these things in place, like put them in place for everybody on your whole list, because it's just making it more transparent, like you said. So even though it's a little bit of work, it's actually a good thing. It's really so a couple of things, right? The first we talked about was just doing a re-engagement campaign to your subscribers on your list. The second is updating your opt-in boxes or anywhere that you actually get consent. And the third is you want to update your privacy policy on your website, okay? Because your privacy policy, at least the one that the template that I had created had to be completely redone because of GDPR. So if you have a privacy policy that you haven't gotten in the past like two or three weeks, most likely it's not GDPR compliant. So you want to update your privacy policy and get that up on your website attached through the footer of your website so that you have all of that language there. You're being very transparent about how you're using people's data. Got it. So those are really the three main things we need to take care of then. One other thing I'll add, Amanda, is that whenever I talk to health coaches or holistic entrepreneurs or wealthpreneurs, as you beautifully call them, is that when you're dealing with health or medical information under GDPR, that's actually considered, quote, sensitive data. When you are gathering, or if you're taking a health history or doing a questionnaire or you're ta- having an intake form or you're gathering personal information about people's health information, you do have to have a little bit higher standard for consent. It can't just be a little checkbox. You actually want them to sign their name and date that they're giving you permission to use that information and that you're being very clear about how you're using the information. So you might say, if someone intake form at the bottom of the form, you might say, this information is being shared for purposes of our initial discussion or our client discovery call or whatever you call it. And then that person will sign their name and date it to be very, very clear that they're giving you permission to use it and that they are fully aware of the fact they're sharing that sensitive data with you. One other part that I've heard about with GDPR is this right to be forgotten. People can request, anybody can contact you and say, like, completely remove me from your system. That's right. Yeah. Tell me about that. So under the GDPR, there are eight rights. And actually, we just did a very an hour-long webinar the other day, and we're trying to figure out what to teach people. So we don't want to overwhelm, right? I don't want to overwhelm you with information, but there are eight rights in the GDPR. And several of them have to do not only with how the information is being collected and used and processed and stored, but also people's rights to tell you what you can do with their information. So if they decide if information is incorrect, they can tell you to correct it and you must correct it in your system. Like you said, Amanda, if they decide that they don't want to be on your list at all and don't want you to have their information, they can tell you to delete their information. And it is being called loosely the right to be forgotten. Now, the only other part of that that I'll add, and this is sort of a balancing act, is that you do have, as the data controller, you as the business owner, do have the right to keep information for legal reasons or tax reasons, or if you were audited or if you were compelled to provide information by law, you could be able to produce those documents. You could be able to share that information. But there's a difference between keeping that personal data in a way that allows you to defend yourself if you are being investigated or something like that versus keeping it in your system and sending a newsletter each week, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you could print out their information, put it in a folder, put it in a box in your closet and not look at it and not use it. 
but have it in case you have to fall back on it for a legal reason. That's very different than keeping it in any tangible way. Now, some lawyers may agree or disagree with that, but that's how I interpret the use of the right to be forgotten, except that there are exceptions if the business owner is using it for tax or legal reasons to show that that person actually was a client and justify the rate or whatever it is that you charge them. So as I was thinking through this process, like for my own business, I was thinking, okay, well, where are all the places that I might have information, like this type of Uh personal information? And actually, I think for a lot of us, they're stored in third-party systems, like everything's stored in MailChimp or ConvertKit or the online course system that you use or things like that. And tell me how you feel about this, because my impression was, if those businesses are compliant with GDPR, then they're taking care of a lot of that, at least covering that data for me. Interesting about GDPR is that that's true in that those companies like ConvertKit and MailChimp and Simplero and Entreport and Infusionsoft and Kajabi and all those companies are what under the GDPR would be called data processors. Okay. So those companies are the data processors. You, the business owner, are considered the data collector. And under GDPR, in this 250-page regulation, what they've said basically is that the data processors have to comply with GDPR on their end, but you as the data controller have to basically attest or acknowledge or swear or whatever word you want to use that you have done your due diligence to make sure that any data processor that you use is complying with GDPR. So we can't pass the buck and say, well, I'm just collecting the data. They're the ones actually storing and processing it. Because now you as the business owner are legally responsible as well for making sure that that information is being used properly. What that means is you just want to check with those providers that you use and make sure they have a GDPR policy, make sure their policies are up to date, their privacy policy. Most of them will be. Obviously, I can't legally say that they will be, but most likely they're all going to be because they're all very aware of this new law. You also have to bear that responsibility as a business owner. I don't want that to freak anyone out, but just be aware of that. You do have to make sure that you're using responsible data processors and that you're keeping the information responsibly as well. Mm -hmm. That's why you need to have a privacy policy as well as they need to have a privacy policy. So a little bit different, but it's something you'd mentioned before we started chatting about HIPAA as well. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's the protection of healthcare information in the U.S., When I'm thinking about taking health histories, for example, like Mm -hmm. collecting people's information, can you talk a bit about how we could do that in a secure way? Because I'm guessing just like sending it through email probably might not be secure, for example. People have so many questions about HIPAA, especially now as it's relating to GDPR. I did used to be a former healthcare attorney and worked specifically around HIPAA. And HIPAA is designed for medical information that is being provided. And this is just a summary, but in a medical setting, okay, this is a high level summary. This isn't verbatim from the statute. But in other words, it's being provided in a medical relationship or it's being provided in a healthcare relationship with licensed providers, with healthcare systems. It doesn't necessarily apply to health coaches. Because we're not licensed medical providers, we're not providing health information as a part of a healthcare system, right? We are working with clients one-on-one to help them live a healthier life and to eat healthy food and to make whatever changes they want to make in their life. But it's not a medical relationship. And that's why my website disclaimer template that I create and every legal document says, this is not a medical relationship. We're not providing medical advice. We're not, we're here to support you as a coach, but not provide medical information or mental health information or et cetera. This is not a medical relationship. So HIPAA only applies to licensed healthcare providers, healthcare systems, unless if you are a health coach who is contracted with 
a medical provider or a chiropractor or a naturopath or something like that, there are some instances when it might extend to you as a business associate of a medical provider. But in general, Amanda, there's a misconception that health coaches are subject to HIPAA, which they're not. Mm, okay. However, you are subject to EPR, which using that information as sensitive data, as we talked about, and making sure you're being very clear about how you're going to use that sensitive information and data and making sure they're overtly consenting, ideally with their name and signature, to show how you're using, that they agree to how you're using the info. Are digital signatures just as good as having them like actually sign it? They are. But what we mean by digital signatures is that you go through a, a third party system like DocuSign or HelloSign or there's a gazillion signs out there where you basically upload a document and indicate where you want the person to electronically sign. It gets sent to them by email. They electronically sign it. They send it back and then you both get a copy. You can't just like send it as a Word document or a Pages document and be like, here, sign this and send it back to me because there's nothing verifying. Anyone could type someone's name into a document. But that third party electronic signature program actually will help you make sure that that's legitimate, essentially. And I did do a whole podcast episode on electronic signatures because I've gotten so many questions about that. Cool. Awesome. You know, honestly, that was, so I had a whole list of questions. I think that was it. I'm trying not to be too overwhelming to everybody, but just, let's just recap. Can you just do the quick recap on what we need to do? So what do we need to do to be GDPR compliant? These are the top three things you need to do. Number one is you want to Send a re-engagement campaign to your current subscribers who are in the EU or who may be also in the EU, traveling to the EU, which means it's a good idea to send it to everyone to just tell them to confirm that they want to remain on your email list. And if they don't reply or they say no, then you take them off your list. So that's step one. Step two is you also want to get your opt-in boxes or anywhere that you collect information. We didn't go through every single detail under the sun, Amanda, around this. So if people do want to listen to the webinar replay, it's still available for them to listen to. And you can maybe put that in the show notes because there are some other things you need to make sure you're saying. But in general, you want to update your opt-in boxes, update where you're gathering information on your website or landing pages, et cetera. And the third thing is you want to have an updated privacy policy that's GDPR compliant on your website. That's step three. Make sure you have that. And I think, Amanda, you have a link for that as well. Amanda is an affiliate for the uh, legal template that I'm offering. And we need to disclose that to you. We will model this for you, how you do that with your clients. (laughs) And obviously, she may receive some commission for that. But it's a very easy to use privacy policy that you can get up on your site really quickly to be complying with the law. Those are the three main steps to be focused on. Amazing. Thank you. And like you said, I'll link all of that up in the show notes and we'll share it in the Facebook community so people can check that out. Now, Lisa, since you've been on the show last time, you've started your own podcast, right? Tell us about that. I have. Yes. Thank you. It's called Legally Enlightened and it's available on iTunes or Stitcher as well as on my website, lisafraley.com slash podcast. But basically what I wanted to do was give free legal tips in 20 minutes or less about various topics like when do I need an LLC or how do electronic signatures work? You know, real reasons why you need to have a client agreement. Just simple, quick podcast. What's an S-corp? Do I need to have an S-corp? So that people can get these little questions answered in a succinct way that isn't boring and that's light and fun and actually makes it easy to digest. So when I saw that, that you announced your podcast, because I just think, you know, the legal stuff is something that a lot of people would prefer to just ignore. 
and focus on building our business and marketing and finding clients and learning more health stuff, which we all love. But you can't really. I mean, that is a crucial part of being a business owner. So I think it's really great that you're doing this podcast to make it, you know, like you said, a little bite size, easy to understand and yeah, not too painful. (laughs) Thank you. And I do tell people as we all grow in our business, just like we have to get a handle on mindset and money, we do have to also get our hands around the legal side of your business. And it doesn't have to be scary or overwhelming. Hopefully you just saw that through this podcast interview. It can be broken down into simple steps so that you're protecting this business that you're working so hard to build. That's really the intention behind it. Protect your business, cover your buns and do it with love. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa, for being here. This was great. And now we all have a few little action items to go off and implement if we haven't already. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget that Lisa has created a webinar all about GDPR, which you can sign up to watch that through my affiliate link, which is wellpreneuronline.com slash GDPR. And of course, that link will be in our show notes and also in our Wellpreneur community Facebook group. So I really hope that demystified this whole big conversation about the changes coming in with GDPR and that you have a better sense about what you might actually need to do in your business to make sure that you're compliant. But come over and let's chat about it in the Facebook group and talk about how it's going and how to make sure, you know, answer any of your questions and just connect with other wellpreneurs. I'd love to see you over there. Okay, have a great week and I will see you back here next week for the next episode. Mm-hmm.